Welcome to the Milestones Motivation and Money Podcast, hosted by Angel Radcliffe. Tune in as we discuss finances, success stories, and inspiring vibes that will help nurture growth. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I have a very special guest, Kelly Hoey, who is a networking expert. So Kelly is the author of Building Your Dream Network, Forging Powerful Relationships in a Hyper-Connected World. She also hosts the Build Your Dream Network podcast. She's a speaker and a source for networking insights, several notable mentions, which include major publications such as Forbes, Business Insider, Fast Company, and she's an investor into two emerging tech funds. So Kelly, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thrilled to be here, Angel. I am so happy to have you to have this conversation of networking and relationships. It's one of my favorite topics and definitely something I try to instill into others. Looking into what you do and your background, I was like, oh my gosh, like she's so empowering and she's into so many other things and you're well-versed in entrepreneurship, it seems kind of funny for someone who started off as a lawyer and had a very linear and traditional career. So life is so funny, the twist and turn. So how about you give us a little bit more about your background? I had a very traditional start to my career. Maybe it's sort of testimony to the power of networks and continually building relationships. So I was a corporate attorney for 11 years. 11, 12 years. I then moved into law firm management and did both professional development as well as marketing. It was when I was in the marketing role and researching, I'm going to say the features I wanted to have in the firm's alumni program that I was building, that I got really involved in an external business network for women. And my activity in that network led to an unexpected opportunity being you know, presented to me. And I became the president, the first global president of that business network. And then that put my sort of my skills and you know talents and ideas in front of a much bigger audience. And then that led to the opportunities such as co-founding a startup accelerator, being the interim CMO of an emerging tech company, and then ultimately kind of standing still for a moment and going, what is the common thread in all these crazy things? And that's what led to writing Build Your Dream Network. Awesome. I was actually going to ask you, like, how did you get into writing a book? And it's a little bit more than traditional books. Most people self-published, but you're actually with a publishing company. So my book is published by Penguin Random House. And maybe the networking lesson in terms of the idea for writing a book, writing a book, I mean, unless it was like buried really deep in my Neanderthal brain uh, of, of this dream and ambition to write a book, it was never a bucket list career item for me. And sometimes you just need to stop and really pay attention to what your network sees in you. What my network saw in me was one, that I did approach this idea of networking differently. Two, they liked what I wrote when I was blogging and sharing ideas in a newsletter. So that when I said, maybe I should write a book, my network was like, woo, yay, finally, we've been waiting for you to do that. Kind of cheers and confetti falling from the sky. Their enthusiasm really pushed me forward. So sort of as a, an idea for people listening to this podcast, like stop 
and look and listen to what your network sees in you. What do they ask you for? What are the types of things that maybe you flip off so easily? That could be your secret sauce. That could be your, your next idea or your next kind of career path. And I have two books as well. So that's a commonality between us, but I went the self-publishing route and I'm always thinking of like, how do you go about getting a book deal? <laughs> do you mind giving us some insider tips on that? Tap your network is what you do. So <laughs> literally, literally my, my getting the book deal. And first, let me stop there for a second. Kudos on you on writing two books and self-publishing. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And for me, I mean, as I was saying, that the path to getting Build Your Dream Network published and which route I chose to go in publishing my book all came down to conversations I had with people in my network. I often think in terms of networking, what's the problem you want to have solved? For me, my problem or the challenge or the thing I had questions on that I needed to tap people for answers was, how do you get a book published and where do you start and what do you do? So Rather than going to my network and asking a big question of, hey, everybody, imagine a post on Facebook. Hey, everybody, I want to publish a book. Who can help me? Instead, I started like making a checklist of almost all the items that I was thinking about. Like, how does the publishing industry work? Which there's various options. Which one is the right one for me? How do you write a book proposal? How do you write a damn book in the first place? Yeah, I don't know about you, but I read a lot of fiction. So when I think about writing, I always default to fiction writing. So the thought of writing like JK Rowling does or Margaret Atwood or Toni Morrison, I was like, okay, that was like almost, I want to say overwhelming in awe of imagining writing something like that. So it was like, those were the questions. And then I kind of went to people in my network and knocked off the answers. So when I talked to someone, Angel, about what was the purpose and reason for writing the book besides helping people and transforming the way we think about networking and building networks. It was to kind of be a platforms for my kind of next career pivot. And so on the basis of that, I, I understood that I first needed to go the publisher route, which means I needed to find a literary agent. So sort of this tree of discussion of how I got this. It was sort of like, find what I wanted to do. Ask someone in my network. When they gave me the answer that said, you need to find a publisher, it's like, okay, who in my network may have gone that route? How can I talk to them about how this works? Oh, I need to put together a, a book proposal. All right, what's in a book proposal, right? Once that's in a certain shape. All right. How and where do I find literary agents and where are the sources for that? Or maybe who can make introductions? And I literally chipped away at that for the fall of 2014 to the spring of 2015. So that's probably a good six, seven months between writing the book proposal, getting the information I needed, getting kind of mentored by friends and things. And then finally... Pitch, pitching a, a literary agent that came through someone in my network. So there's there's the answer to that. Thank you. And I think it really takes us to this transition point to discuss the importance of networking and how it relates to all aspects of your life. So not only in corporate America or entrepreneurship, but those personal goals that you have. And with you being an expert in this area, I know you can really give better tips than I can. <laughs> I'm always saying your network is your net worth, but 
I did see something very interesting on your website, which was more like three steps to networking. Can you walk us around that? And what's your approach when you are talking to someone who wants to build their network? When I think about networking, and some of this is going to pick up and, and dovetail with a recent podcast uh, episode of yours with Daniel and his career advice that he gives to high school and college students. And, and he was really talking in that job search about clarity. And when I think about when you're starting to network and maybe tap your network for ideas and solutions, you need to have clarity, like hyper clarity on what it is that you need help with. There's a difference between taking my own example, going to my network and saying, I want to write a book. Can anyone help me? Which is a, a kind of a big amorphous question, which requires your network to then ask you a bunch of questions so that they can pinpoint whether or not they can help you. And some people may not be up to that. I mean, that might just be too exhausting or fatiguing for them versus really getting specific in terms of what it is that you want to know and who is the right person to answer that question. So when I always think about starting your networking, it's like, what's your goal? What's your focus? Get really hyper clear on that. And it may be you've got, I want to find a job. Then you, you've got sub questions after that. So think about what do you need? What, what is it you're trying to achieve? Then get, once you kind of have that done, get really specific on who are the people who can help you. And some of that may be people, some of it may be, well, I don't know if they know, but they might know someone who knows. Or it may be, okay, I don't have anyone in my network, but who are the type of people I need to meet who can help me? And then once you've done that, then think about the networking activity. So most of the times with networking, I think people think about the end thing first, Angel. They think about the activity of networking. Like, you know, what's the event you're going to attend? Or, all right, what's the post I'm going to make on social media? Or who am I going to email to ask for an informational interview? You sort of jump to the activity. And what I'm asking you to do is kind of flip this networking equation on its head. Start with where you want to go. Then think about the people who could help you. And then as for the activity of networking, think about the best way to reach that particular person. Because your goal in networking is to be heard, which means you need to understand how the other person receives information or engages. And you've got to pinpoint that if you want to cut through all this networking noise and distractions that are out there. So let's talk about networking and building a strategy for someone who is walking into a conference. Of course, we're in this whole virtual world of COVID, but think about those big conferences that people sign up and pay all this money and go to, and they have these high hopes of meeting people. I, I want to give you a few things that I've done before. And then of course you can tell like if they're correct or what the improvements are or someone who's listening, what their plan of action should be. So typically when I'm heading to a conference, I of course have business cards prepared, depending on how large the conference is. 
will depend determine how many cards I'm ordering. But also one thing I started to do along the years is actually looking at the agenda, looking at the speakers. And I would look up every single person on LinkedIn. I would write something next to their name, something interesting. So if I ran into them, had a question, but also making sure that I was following up after the event and sending a, a note on LinkedIn and telling them how I enjoyed their speech and really trying to build that relationship before you going with the ask. But from your perspective, what should someone be doing? Are those proper steps? Do you have anything to add on to that? Oh, can I send you a gold star? <laughs> Seriously, like, like it, it, it kind of goes back to that equation. Like, what's the reason for going to the conference? Because as you noted, these things can cost a lot of money. Even online, there's, there's a cost, even if it's free, it's your time. So sort of thinking, why are you choosing to spend your time and your money there? And then thinking about, all right, what on the basis of that, what's the outcome or engagement that I want to commence? Because again, you've hit the nail on the head. A conference is the start of an engagement with someone. If you think about your own personal life, whether it's hanging out with friends and they introduce you to someone new or in class. I mean, sometimes we meet kindred spirits. Sometimes there is love at first sight, but a lot of the time it's, all right, you gotta get to know someone. And we kind of forget that with conferences and events. We sort of, we think, oh, well, nothing, no magic happened when I paid that money or no magic and I showed up. And the reality is it's, the start of the opportunity to network and build a network as opposed to the start, the middle, and the end. So the idea of having clarity on why you're there, looking over the agenda, maybe talking to people, if you haven't attended an event before, maybe talking to other people as to whether or not they've ever attended this, particularly in a professional sense. We may turn to colleagues or other people to say, hey, I've, I've just seen this association event or this industry conference. Have you ever attended? If so, can you tell me about it? If not, why not? Maybe they don't know about it. Maybe they heard negative things. It, it's not only attending gives you a chance to build a network. The prospect of attending gives you a chance to engage your network and start a dialogue with them, which is always helpful in strengthening relationships. And then your whole idea of, I'm going to be prepared. I may meet a lot of people and want to give them a business card, or I may meet a lot of people that I want to have a way of them remembering me so that we can follow up afterwards. Because frankly, for me, the number one networking mistake is not the failure to show up at an event without business cards or back in the day, not having that clammy handshake. The number one networking mistake for me is the failure to follow up or follow through because that's where the magic happens. That's when you build a network. That's how you find mentors. That's how you build raving fans and supporters for your career. Not the one time you show up perfectly pressed out, but the continual contacts and connections, regardless of the size of them, the consistency in that is what builds a network. You said something that really resonated. Failure to follow up or follow through. 
And for those who are listening, I think this is a very important point and something to write down because I typically, and I'm sure you do too, um, receive messages via LinkedIn or email and someone who's asking questions or they'd like mentorship or connection and you probably never hear from them again. Even with something such as like a podcast, right? We both have a podcast. It seems as though there's so many different things that we're both doing. And, and I always say, you have to follow up with people, find out what, what's the next thing that they're doing. How can you two help each other? But also for young adults who are listening, um, who really are asking for like that hand up, that is something that so many people miss. And it really goes into another conversation that I've had with with one of my mentees where she says, well, I'm not a people person and I'm not comfortable with talking or doing my whole elevator pitch. So I, I want to get into like this whole misconception of networking. How many people feel as though you have to be a social butterfly to be good at networking? And oh, I personally don't think that's true. No, 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 no. Like dump. Okay. If you think networking equates with being, yes, the life of the party, the extrovert. If that, do you think that's what networking is? If you think networking is something you only do when you really need something like a job and then you can forget about doing it. If that's what you think networking is, I want you to write that on a little piece of paper. And then when you finish listening to this podcast, or you could hit pause on the podcast now, um, take that little piece of paper, go to the bathroom and flush it down the toilet. Seriously, you need to like completely discard that idea. What oh, I just <laughs> like seriously, like it's like flush it. Networking is how you show up every day for your for your people who are around you. Network is in for me. It's in many ways it could be equated with your personal brand. I mean, people talk about building a personal brand, and your your personal brand, just like a, a corporate's brand, is what your audience and your network says it is. So you can say you're responsive, but if your network is like, what are you talking about? You never answer my emails, right? So uh, it's how you show up. And so think about all the ways you show up for your network. Do you remember birthdays? Do you have the information where people can find you in your email signature line? Do you treat people in a way that if they recommended you for a job or a business lead, that the the rec the person who got the receives the recommendation, if they then go look up your LinkedIn profile or at your website, does it align with this personal recommendation? You need to think of all of those as part of your networking toolkit. So for me, Angel, how you show up every single day, how you treat your colleagues, how you lead, how you manage, how you volunteer, how you are of service, that to me is networking. The schmooze the room, maybe attend an event, that piece of networking, that piece of it for me is a very small slice that gets an overwhelming amount of our attention rather than being relegated to where it should be, which is it's a small piece of your networking activity. And the everyday micro networking activities you take are going to have a bigger impact on your success than the one time showing up with the perfectly rehearsed elevator pitch, which personally I hate anyway. Engaging with other people. That is so important, especially in this virtual world that we're in right now. So um, moving away from 
this whole like misconceptions of networking. So many people have probably just taken amazing notes from everything that you've said, <laughs> but what are great tools that people can use right now for networking while we're at home? I mean, some of this is tools you've been using already, your eyes and your ears. So we can go with those human tools that way. And I am very much one of these people who thinks how we network online and how we network offline. We need to, you need to use those things in unison. So thinks about thinking networking right now. And when I say this about yourself, you can then start thinking about, I need to pay attention to these things with other people. So what's on your email signature line and what does it say about you? You know, where are you directing people to for information about you? And does it align with who you are offline? What are the types of things you are posting? Are you trying to be a one-way marketing person or are you engaging in conversation? Are you commenting on other people's posts? Are you invested in the long run and a longer timeline of engaging with people. I think the more of your personality that you can bring online, the more likelihood of building true connections offline. Those are kind of some of the things I think little things matter. Social science research shows that small interactions of remembering birthdays and anniversaries can do a lot to affirm and warm up relationships. I think about people who are in corporate environments who are very much relying on digital tools because of a remote workforce. I mean, sometimes think about why someone is posting information or why they're asking a certain question, like on a Slack channel. Rather than thinking, oh, why are they bringing up that question? Kind of sit back and think, all right, maybe it's a new employee. Maybe it's someone who hasn't had the full onboarding experience that you did. Maybe 15 minutes offline with them, you could really direct them in a new way. And now you'd have this productive, engaged colleague that you were hoping when, they, when the person came on and got hired to summit up, Angel. We've got a lot of tools if we start looking at them with through the lens of humanity and human needs, not just through the lens of they are technology and what do I do with them? So you mentioned online and I think social media definitely has a, a big part of the online presence. One thing I noticed about you is that you're on Clubhouse and fairly new form of social media. I, I, it reminds me of Periscope. So I don't know if you were on Periscope, yeah. but when I joined Clubhouse in November, I found myself engaged all day long. I was staying in rooms for hours on end. <laughs> so do you have any insights to how someone can use that to their networking advantage? One of the things I do with all social sites is and in the way I keep my sanity, because you, you could do exactly as you noted, you could spend your entire life sliding through Instagram or popping between rooms on Clubhouse or retweeting away. I do kind of set limits on what amount of time on my phone that I can access those accounts. I turn off all notifications so that when I go onto those sites, I'm doing it with intention, not being driven by 
vanity social media metrics and and constant distraction. So I can I choose to be on those and how to do those. I joined Clubhouse back in October and a lot of people sort of pummeling me saying, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And and realizing that okay, this is a great place to network and meet people, but it also could just be a massive time demand for kind of what what purpose? So for me, it was, again, go back to why am I here? What am I choosing to do? And I fortunately, I, I did have one of those weekend mornings where you do what you're not supposed to do, which is pick up your phone and immediately go to social media. And I did that. And I opened Clubhouse and I found a room that was with some authors who were mentoring other aspiring authors and writers and, and that writing community. And I feel really lucky, Angel, that I found a really lovely tribe of people who are mentoring others. And I thought, what, this is a perfect use for me of Clubhouse, that as one person, this enables me to give information one to many. And so when people ask me to mentor them or guide them or give them information on how to get published, I can direct them to this regular clubhouse room. It enables me to network. It enables me to build a larger and, and a diverse and different network. So it's both enabling me to expand my network. It's enabling me to grow relationships. Really great advice. So throughout our conversation and even leading up to the conversation, you talked about three major lessons you've learned along the way, such as building your expertise, building your network, and building your Yes Me Fund. Can you expound upon that? And I'm sure listeners would love to know what you mean by a Yes Me Fund. Uh, I, I, I'm so glad you asked that because I kind of think of it as like my career cocktail. Like, hey, Kelly, how the heck did you go from being a lawyer in Toronto to an author living in New York City? And how did this other stuff happen? Because at some point, it wasn't like I was applying for jobs. Things just kept coming my way. So one of the things, as you hit upon it, my first kind of rule with this career cocktail is build your expertise. Be known for something. Invest in yourself. If you're not your own best investment, I don't know what is. And don't wait for somebody else to pay for that course or give you the time off to go and learn that new skill or gain that knowledge. I mean, that's yours. I mean, we have not reached the age that this information is a microchip inserted in your brain that then an employer or someone extracts because they own the information. This is yours. You walk away with this information. So make it your investment in yourself. And then the second one, obviously, build your network. I mean, it takes time to build your relationships. So build them before you need them. And ensure it's a diverse network because you don't know where your next opportunity is. A misconception about networking is we need to network up the corporate ladder or up the food chain, so to speak. But we're in a day and age where that connection, that opportunity, the linchpin production to the next thing could come from anywhere. 
you know, a, a friend of mine who is in wealth management, linchpin introduction that unlocked the business opportunity he was seeking came through his personal trainer. So build a network and build a network of people who uh, want to help you and build it before you need it. Number three is build your bank account. And there's kind of two pieces of that. One is a yes me fund. And that's the fund that enables you to say yes to your career dreams. When I was still in the corporate world, it was back at that time when the financial crisis and Lehman Brothers collapsed and people were suddenly, well-paid people were suddenly out of jobs. And so many of them, when they saw what the opportunities were, they were things they were like, man, it's the job I would have liked, or I'd like to take this, but it doesn't pay enough. Sometimes getting that kind of chained to a desk is because we've become chained to a paycheck and we've, we've increased our lifestyle. Rather than saying, hey, having this financial freedom to walk away if I need to, or having this ability to fund my side hack as I build a prototype so I'm not trying to get somebody else to do it. I'm investing in my own dreams and so that I own it. So your Yes Me Fund does that. And the Yes Me Fund also has a, has a strong ability to en like enable you to do your job better because you can speak your mind and be true to what you think an outcome is as opposed to being worried about being fired. And so a Yes Me Build Your Bank Account, that concept also means with your network, where can you barter or trade with someone else? Like, do you babysit their kids so they can code your website for your side hack? Do you have a relationship with someone that they said, listen, you've lost your job, so why don't you come and work out of my office as well? You're doing your job search so that you've got a place to come to every day and you have that normalcy. Or, hey, you're starting your new business and I know you haven't got your first customers yet. We've got an extra desk that we pay for in a co-working space because our colleagues out on maternity leave come and use her desk during you know the next three months while you get on your feet. That's part of your bank account as well, that people actually want to help you in that sort of financial equivalent way. So those are those three things. Build your expertise, build your network, build your bank account. I love it. I just love that. And the concept, of course, with me being a money person, yes, get your savings together, build the Yes Me Fund. And I definitely agree with the point you mentioned as far as enabling you to do your job better and speaking your mind, because so many people are really scared in the workplace. They're thinking about what they should not say. They tend to become uh, more people pleasers because they don't want to go against the grain and they feel as though they will get fired. So, oh my gosh, that can be an entire podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah, a podcast on group thing, and the, da the dangers <laughs> of it. Like I said, when I, as soon as I had my yes, me fund, and I remember a few times when I was in management, I could really sense that the partners I was speaking with were not amused with what I had to say. And I remember that very powerful moment of thinking, well, what are they going to do? fire me? Well, what's going to happen? My lifestyle's not going to change. Okay. Like it gives you a fearlessness and a confidence that is really quite empowering. That is the best feeling in the world, Kelly. Like mm -hmm. we have to have other conversations around that topic. I am. Uh, <laughs> anytime, um, anytime. <laughs> because I'm like, we have the same way of thinking. 
So we're sort of at the point where I get a little sad because this is the end of the podcast. And I always like to ask my guests three questions about in relation to the title. And really, after that, giving clarity and giving the listeners a chance to find you on social media. So the first question I have for you is more of around milestones. And when you think about everything that you've been through in your life, what do you consider the biggest milestone or the most memorable? I would have to be writing the book. Mm. That that would be the biggest milestone. I mean, I've had some, what there's milestones other people think that are like really big milestones in my career, but I would have to say, honestly, at this point in my life, and I am 55 and my book was published after I turned 50, that's when I really feel like I'm starting to have the career that my 20 year old self was hoping for. So for me personally, it's the big milestone for that reason, like the career dreams and the kind of career I've always wanted is finally happening. Mm-hmm. That's nice. That's a, that's a really, really nice accomplishment and pretty sure it's very memorable. So on the topic of motivation, let's talk about what motivates you. Helping other people succeed. Okay, that's fair. Love it. So down to the final question around money, my favorite topic. If you think about your life, all the way back to when you were a child, think about when you first built a relationship with money. Do you have any memories on that? Oh, very, very negative. I want to say, and part of the reason why I was so excited amongst other things to talk to you besides talking about networking as a child of, you know, divorced parents, a unnatural fear and a falsity of scarcity around money was instilled in us, like my two brothers and myself as children. And I think the more we do to raise individual sort of awareness of money so that you have a, it's something you can have control over. You may not have control over every dollar that you make, but you can control over your fear of it. Like the fear of not having money. I remember when I was making one of my career switches, and this is too long of an answer to your very quick question, but one of the things I was looking to accept a job and leaving from having a paycheck to earning equity. So goodbye paycheck, goodbye benefits. Hello, big old risk. And I was hesitating and someone said, what's the worst that can happen? And you go to the place of fear. Oh, I will have no money. Forgetting that I had money in a bank account, but all of a sudden you're like, I'll have no money. I'll be homeless. I'll be selling chiclets under a bridge. Like I'll be up like crazy place that your brain goes to. And this woman looked at me and she said, Kelly, you come and get your old job back. And I'm like, oh, that's right. I have a skill set. I have a network. Oh, I've got money in the bank. But this fear from childhood leads to, oops, I'm going to be in this destitute position. And that unnatural and unrealistic thing about money and that fear is, that's when I, when you asked that question and I knew that question was coming. I'm like, there it is. Thank you so much for sharing and being transparent around that topic. I feel as though it can be a bit touchy at times, depending on someone's life and their upbringing with money. And it's, it's a very intriguing question. So. Oh, um, it's, it's, it's a fabulous question. Cause we, we have 
there's such shame and such, like I said, fear, and there isn't the transparency around it. And I think you can look at people who you assume are successful and think that they have confidence around these things. And I think the more we talk about them, the more you can kind of that, that gremlin that re rears its head and causes you to pause and stop. You can, by talking about it, you can give it the attention and the amount of space it actually deserves. Yes, that's very true. And, and Kelly, we are at the end of the podcast. I've enjoyed having you as a guest. I can go on and on, and I'm sure you can as well, on this conversation of networking, even drilling down to money and how that goes back into your network. But where can people find you on social media who are listening? Where can they find your book? Tell us more about what sources your podcast is listed on. I would say the easiest place to find all this information because it has direct links to my social handles and where you can buy my book and where the podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, is to go to my website, which is jkellyhoey.co. That's J-K-E-L-L-Y-H-O-E-Y.co. Awesome. Thanks so much. And I hope to have you on as a guest again. Everyone who's been tuned in, I hope you've got some great nuggets. Rewind and go back and take some more notes. Reach out to Kelly for some amazing networking tips. And we will see you. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with Angel online on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss RMBA. That's M-I-S-S-R-M-B-A. Be sure to subscribe and review. Join us next time as we continue to empower you through milestones, motivation, and money.